This is an ABC podcast. If I invited you to my house, and it will happen, mark my words, I intend to dine personally with every single listener of this podcast by the time I pass away in 2027. But when you come around to my house, I will open the door, I'll say welcome, let's not make this weird, and I'll invite you into the lounge room and we'll sit down and you'll feel that sweet, sweet ambience of a crackling fireplace. And then you'll look around and you'll think, hang on, is that a real fire? And I'll say, no, it's not. It's a battery-operated $60 fake fireplace lantern that I purchased online earlier this year, much to my wife's chagrin. And then my wife might join us and she would say, why have you still got that? I told you to get out of a house. It's so tacky. It does not belong here. And we'd have the usual fake fireplace-based discussion that we have on a regular basis. Look, it doesn't quite belong. It was probably a bad purchase. It is objectively tacky, kitsch, garish. But I just love it. The technology that can make the human brain think for a moment it's actual fire. Oh, yum, yum. What's in your house that isn't quite right? What's in your house that doesn't quite belong? What's in your house just because someone gifted it to you or it has some weird, sentimental, bizarre curious value to you and so you display it despite all visitors commenting on it and wondering why you haven't thrown it out years ago. I'll tell you one thing that does belong in your house and that is this week's Sammy J snack pack or on the train or in the car wherever you are. Thanks for your company. We have an episode jam-packed with stars today. There's a future star by the name of Lorinda May Merripoor. You might not know her name now, but she'll be a household name in the years to come. She'll be joining us to talk about her starring role in And Juliet. That's the West End and Broadway sensation that's coming to Australia. Then Dr Sarah Webb will drop in. She deals with stars as well in her line of work, but not celebrity stars like actual stars in the galaxy, and she'll help us get closer to a little understanding of what's going on up there. And when Lee Ma, film critic, is going to drop by and talk about actual movie stars as well. So much coming up. Thanks for your company. Sam, in the 70s at the Sardinia Club, my uncle won a ceramic panther. But it's not black, right? It's like an iridescent blue and it's got purples and a little bit of pink through it. It's about, it's about 50 centimetres long and about 20 centimetres high. Right, my wife hates it. My daughters love it. So we've got to keep it. Where does it sit? Where have you got it? <laughs> when you open the front door and you walk in, Sammy, that's where yes. it is. It's looking at you. Radio time for the hill that I would die on. Regular listeners will know that the hill that I would die on is the Snack Packs version of the Complaints Department. It's when I give anyone a chance to air a grievance. And today we are joined by... Alita Bryden, founder of Bad Dates of Melbourne, an incredible Instagram page. You have to check out the stories that she digs up there. Firstly, Alita, look, it's been more of a normal year this year than the last few years. Does that mean that the rate of bad dates have just increased exponentially? Yeah, it, it, it definitely has. Uh, people are going on more bad dates than ever um, and getting out there. But, you know, we still do the Zoom date thing. Like, people are still doing Zoom dates and chatting on the phone. I think we've all become, you know, a little bit hermity. You know, it's really easy to stay in as opposed to go out. But, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's still, still happening, still happening. Well, it's good for your business model because the more bad stories, the better, isn't it? 
Oh, yeah. I mean, like when I talk to people, I say, you know, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your bad date story. But also, I don't want to hear from you and I don't want you to have a bad date. No. So I love you mixed feelings there. <laughs> You're walking a fine line. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, Alita, what is the hill that you are prepared to die on today? Oh, well, Sammy, when a man and a woman love each other very much, they can come together. They come together and in a display of love, many months later, it will result in something absolutely horrific, and that is a baby shower. Now, I I hate baby showers, and if you're hearing this and I've attended yours, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I did not enjoy that. And I want to be, I want to be completely clear. I I want to celebrate your new arrival. I mean, I'm, I'm actually excited, and, you know, I'll go to a nice afternoon tea or a lunch for it, but, you know, it, I have boundaries, and it comes to a point where, you know, You've taken it too far and being pregnant does not give you the right to submit me to this humiliation. And I'm talking about things like uh, games where you guess the baby food flavour. And, you know, I don't want to eat apple puree. I'm 37. I, I'm, that's a period of my life that I'm done with. That's not a fun game. I did not like eating melted chocolate from a nappy and guessing the flavour of the chocolate bar. What? Have you, you've done that? I have done that, and I would love for people to respect my decision not to ever eat from a nappy. I don't want to do that. What? Sorry, I'm I'm stuck on this. They melted (laughs) chocolate bars, put them in a nappy, and you had to lick it out? Yes. Yeah, so say you've got six nappies, one's Mars, one's Snickers, one's Bounty, and you guess which flavour it is, and you lick the nappy, and, you know, I I don't want to lick a nappy. I'm excited for your baby. I'm not that excited. That's where the excitement cuts out when you put the nappy in front of me. But there's other stuff that annoys me too. Like, they play games like you have to guess how much a baby would weigh, but it's in pounds, and I don't know how much six pounds is because we use the metric system here, right? So, like, I feel like if we're going to do these games, I'm happy to guess your baby's weight in let's say kilos or maybe maybe in relation to something I know like you know like a Woolworths roast chicken like how does it compare to a Woolworths <laughs> roast chicken I've got my I've got a grip on how big that is right but I'm in Australia and I have no idea how much a pound is like do you know how much a pound is I have no idea no, I, got it. I c- couldn't tell you all I know <laughs> is that my heart is pounding with excitement from the force with which you have come out of the blocks so Alita what would you have to say now if one of your friends calls you after this and says, I thought we had a good time licking chocolate and so on? You know what? I want to be so clear. I'm excited for the baby and, you know, okay. I will host... You're pro-baby. You're pro-baby. Yeah, I'm pro-baby. I'll host the morning tea. I'll host the afternoon tea. I'll do the lunch. I'll do whatever you like. But when it comes to playing those games, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> this text, Alita, says, OMG, she's attending all the wrong baby showers. What's wrong with a lovely, elegant high tea? Is it just your calibre of friends, Alita, that's the problem, who are making oh. you do this with nappies? <laughs> <laughs> I declined to comment on that, Sammy. I refuse to say that on the radio. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to say. But, you know, I have been to my friends' hens nights as well and they get pretty rowdy, so yeah. I feel like they're in the same category. <laughs> now, occasionally a headline grabs your attention, like the one I saw this week that said astronauts are going to live and work on the moon by 2030, according to NASA. Live and work. Not just work, but live on the moon. That seems very soon. That's like seven years away, so I've got a lot of questions. And help me answer some of those questions and tell us exactly where we're at when it comes to our love affair with the moon. It's astrophysicist at Swinburne University, Dr Sarah Webb. Sarah, are we falling back in love with the moon after all these years? I think that headline has like kind of given people like 
a little bit of a wake-up call, like, oh, my goodness, we're actually doing this again. And especially for, for like, uh, most of our generations, so we didn't we didn't see the moon landing. We've, we've heard tales, we've seen all the movies, but we, we didn't see it ourselves. And now we get to see that, which I think is just incredible to think about. Let's start with the how and, and what's going on right yeah, now. Sure. So at the moment, we are in a phase called Artemis 1. So Artemis is the entire NASA program for the next decade or so. And Artemis 1 is the first spacecraft from NASA to go back and orbit around the moon. It made its closest approach. And there is a photo that is just so breathtakingly beautiful. It's the Orion capsule next to the moon, big grey moon. And then in the background, you see the Earth setting behind the moon. It's so beautifully humbling that everything we've ever known is just right there on that little blue marble. I'm just looking, um, I'm looking this up right now. I think I can see the photo. If people search for Orion, O-R-I-O-N, capsule, they'll be able to see it. this picture. That is incredible. It's, it's really beautiful. And so this spacecraft is kind of testing all of the engineering. So did the rocket work, did this capsule work, heap of other things about like life suits, things like that. And then in Artemis 2, which will launch in about a year or so's time, that's when we will be sending humans around. They will do a little loop-de-loop of the moon and then come back, test some more things. And then in about 2026, we will have humans landing on the moon again. So it's not that far away. And so having people live and work there by 2030 is not too crazy because it's not like they're going to set up a home and, you know, put up a white picket fence and that's their home for the rest of their life. They will be coming back after several weeks. Um, so I don't think it's too unrealistic to think about. I think it's a pretty exciting prospect. This is a sort of real dullard question, but, like, why aren't we just landing there now if it's already up there with, with no humans in it? When we, we know that we landed on the moon over 50 years ago, it seems like a strange yeah. threshold that's already been crossed. So why is it now taking multiple reconnaissance trips to figure out if we're going to do it again? Yeah, no, that's not a silly question at all. Um, so we're using all brand new technology, so brand new rockets, brand new spacesuits, brand new capsules. The the thing that will be landing on the moon is actually going to be a Starship, so a, a SpaceX Starship. Mm-hmm. So they are brand spanking new, still in their testing phases, and we did we did do this in the sixties and the seventies, but all of that technology no longer exists. And something really heartbreaking kind of happened at the end of the Apollo mission where they were defunded relatively quickly for for all of the hundreds of thousands of people who were employed to work across space exploration. Um, Most of those jobs weren't retained as we entered the 80s and the 90s. The budget was cut quite significantly. And so when you have people... for example, just welding a certain type of rocket or fuel tank together is so specialized. And you have people who are trained so specialty to do that. As soon as you don't have them anymore, you kind of lose that information. And no one had enough time to write, you know, the, the source book of how do you do everything to send yourself to the moon anymore. Would you go to the moon given the opportunity? Oh, I would, but then my fear of heights just kicked in. I don't know why space isn't high, but it feels very, <laughs> very distant That's from me. Half a second after takeoff, you've already smashed through your height problems, haven't you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, a friend of mine, he's an artist, a very good artist, and friends, other friends for my 50th said, we'll put in and get a painting for you for your 50th. And somehow she talked me into reclining on a couch and doing a nude. So you were aware that you were being painted? Yes, yes I was. <laughs> and so were the workmen next door on the roof. <laughs> I do have a bust of the Phantom, like, you know, purple comic guy. Um, but 
that is hidden away. You have to turn a corner, go into my study, and it's sort of hidden out of view. When you do come around and hang out with me, after you enjoy the fake fireplace, once we're getting on well then, I'll let you see the phantom. This is the Sammy J Snack Pack. Now look, I don't want to spoil Romeo and Juliet for you, uh, but they die in the end. Or do they? Because And Juliet, the musical smash hit that has taken the world by storm, is coming all the way to Australia. And guess who's here on the Snack Pack with me right now? It's our very own Australian legend, who just found out she's going to be the main star of And Juliet. And this is how it happened. Wait. For Juliet. Oh, my God. No, I'm going to cry. I'm going to vomit. I'm going to pass out. Samuel, you're actually joking me. My whole body is shaking. Oh, my God. That's right. Proud Aboriginal South Sea Islander hailing from Rockhampton. It's Lorinda May. Mary Paul. Lorinda, huge congratulations. When did you find out you were going to be the star? I think that was about three months ago, actually. So okay. I've been keeping it a secret for a while. It's exciting to be able to this talk is the about day. it. Yeah. You can now announce it's it. It's here. <laughs> How does it feel? How does it feel? Because you are, uh, conventionally, we would say, an unknown performer and you're about to become very well known in the next year. Oh, it's overwhelming. I mean, you can hear in that. A little clip just there. I was just so shocked, and it's the most exciting thing probably to ever happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been singing for? I've been singing since I could talk, mm-hmm. but I, when I first saw the musical High School Musical, that was when I was like, I want to do musical theatre. And then my very supportive parents put me in singing lessons. <laughs> mm-hmm. And was this was the audition process uh, long? Was it cruel? Was it? I think it was over about um, a month or so, but it was not cruel at all. It was so much fun. I had the best time. I got to sing Baby One More Time and <laughs> Raw by Katy Perry. And yeah, it was just so much fun. Now let's explain to the listeners that the, the music in the show, it's, I don't want to call it a jukebox musical because that implies that songs have just been thrown together, whereas this show has a full narrative, a full book, and it features the songs of Max Martin, who is one of these hit makers who has written pretty much all the best songs the last 30 years, yeah? Yeah, he's an absolute songwriting legend, the Shakespeare of pop, fondly known. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, it's all the amazing, like, number one hits you would know. Like I said, Baby One More Time, Britney Spears, you've got Backstreet Boys, Bon Jovi, Ariana Grande, just... You're going to know all the songs. <laughs> and they're entwined with this storyline, which, as we say, it's, uh, it takes Shakespeare in a slightly different direction because you are Juliet, but you get to live. Yeah, which is fun. I'm glad I get to do that. <laughs> but it also is, you know, it's kind of a contemporary take. It's really walking this line of melding the worlds of Shakespeare and also the world of 2022. Uh, and it's really empowering, you know. It's a very cool story of second chances and finding yourself and creating your own destiny, which I think is, you know, inspirational and relatable to everyone. Baz Luhrmann did this for a different generation in the 90s with his movie, Romeo and Juliet. I feel like this musical is doing the same thing, very much introducing Shakespeare to to a new generation. Exactly, which I think is awesome because, you know, Shakespeare himself is a legend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's my uncle and aunt's house. They're very eclectic. They've got lots of unusual things in their home. Um, And for decades, they've had a terrifying mannequin sitting in their entranceway uh, with this horrible blank stare that has been terrifying myself and my little cousins ever since we were children. <laughs> it's got a name and it often, you know, changes costumes depending on the time of year. Oh, okay, um, creepy. That's creepy. 
Wen Li Ma is a film critic with news.com.au and joins us today with her mind very much mired in murder. It's the cosy murder mystery. There's no gore, there's no blood, there's just, you know, a pool of suspects and a smart detective who uses little grey cells. <laughs> well, we can all get behind this, although I will say the first thing I want to discuss is glass, onion and knives out mystery. And I'll play the trailer quickly because it does sound a little more dramatic than you just made it out. <laughs> We've arrived. Disruptors have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prom, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? Actually, Wendley Ma, I, I withdraw my comment. That does sound pretty cozy. <laughs> so cozy even though it is like on a private greek island so most of it actually happens outside uh, rather than inside a new england kind of house like the first movie did but i loved loved glass onion i've <clears throat> already seen it twice uh it is if you're not familiar it is i guess the follow-up to knives out which was the 2018 2019 can't remember what year it came out a uh, movie that ryan johnson made that starred uh daniel craig as ben benoit blanc gentleman detective who was trying to you know sort out the mystery of who killed this prominent uh, mystery writer. And that first film had like Jamie Lee Curtis and Tony Collette. This one does the Agatha Christie thing where the detective moves on to a new case. So it's a whole new cast, but Daniel Craig is still at the Mm. centre of it. And it's delicious. It has like Edward Norton and Kate Hudson and Catherine Hahn, Dave Bautista. Um, it's just a, a Janelle Monet. It's just a really, really fun murder mystery in the vein of Agatha Christie. But it's you know clever. It's smart. It's snappy, and it will keep you guessing. Even if you think maybe you know who did it or who's about to do it, you'll question yourself and you go, No, 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 it can't be them. And then it turns out it was them. <laughs> Is it done? Is it sort of an artistic achievement? Like, clearly it's got a lot of production values and things, but I think I've got a bit of a bias where I feel like some of these movies or genres are, are quite throwaway. Um, I think, like, the scripting for me is kind of what really makes Knives Out or Glass Onion stand out. And the first Knives Out was actually nominated for an Oscar in Best Screenplay, mm-hmm. and it sort of carries through here as well. It's just so well intricately plotted and then the production values are fantastic because they shot this you know in Greece during COVID it looks amazing and even though a few of us not me have gotten over to Europe this year and had you know lived the holidays that we haven't lived in the last three years this is one of those escapist movies that makes you go Oh man, I wish I was, uh, you know, on a private island with my billionaire friend. <laughs> Don't we? Maybe all? not after the murder mystery stuff. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, look, I need to go back and watch the original Glass Onion, then I'll check this out, which is in cinemas for a week before heading to Netflix. That's Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery, the sequel starring Daniel Craig. When Lee, I'm, now I want to give a little taste of our next uh, movie. This is See How They Run. Victim's name is Leo Kopernik, sir. Seems he's killed in the costume store. Or is that the idea? Gather all the suspects and interrogate each of us in turn until the mystery's solved. So what did he do that made you suspicious? I'm sensing a theme here, Wendley Ma. 
we do have a theme today. It's very much, I mean, I love Agatha Christie, so anytime I can talk about Agatha Christie is a fantastic day. Uh, See How They Run. It came out at the cinemas a couple of months ago. You can watch it at home, and it does work really well at home as well because it is, again, a fun murder mystery. It's an absolute homage to the great dame of murder mysteries, and it speaks directly with her work because it is set in the 1950s behind the scenes of the 100th production of The Mousetrap. And they do make little jokes like, my God, this play will never end. And, of course, The Mousetrap <laughs> is still going. <laughs> if someone was coming in fresh to this genre and just wanted to enjoy a murder mystery, a cosy murder mystery for the first time, would you recommend Glass Onion as a starting point or see how they run a better uh, entry point? I think See How They Run probably does work as a better entry point in establishing a lot of those conventions in the genre. But See How They Run is also, you know, it's it's satire, it's homage as well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you might want to go back and watch maybe, you know, the original, I don't know if it's the original, but the earlier murder on the Orient Express that Sidney Lumet made in the, I think it was the 1960s or 70s, that starred Albert Finney as Hercule Poirot. So that might be a really great starting point if somehow these cosy murder mysteries have eluded you your entire life. (laughs) That's another snack pack done and dusted. Thanks for your company. Thank you, as always, to Ross Kavanagh, my sound wizard, for pushing all the buttons, selecting the stories that have been produced by my breakfast radio family. Harriet Hashtag, Christopher Hollow. You can listen to our show every weekday via the ABC Listen app. Just search for ABC Radio Melbourne and you'll hear me from 5.30 every morning. I'll be back next week with some more snacks for your listening pleasure. Take it easy. Chat then. Hi, Philip Clark here from Nightlife. It might seem like too much of a good thing isn't good for you, but a little bit more nightlife won't hurt. Indira Naidu and I have everything you need to get you through the night on ABC Radio seven nights a week. And as for that little bit more, well, I'd like to invite you to listen to the Nightlife podcast. It's some of the bits you may have missed from the program available any time of the day. Some guests will make you laugh and some will make you cry and you'll always learn something new. It might even give you an edge for the mighty challenge. Hmm, There's only one way to find out. Make sure to add the Nightlife podcast to your favourites. You can find it now on the ABC Listen app.